Genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Today, we are continuing our miniseries on the X-Men franchise with the film that ended Hugh Jackman's 17-year-long career as Wolverine, 2017's Logan. And we have a guest joining us to talk about the post-apocalyptic gig economy, adolescent assassins, and Shane is actor... (laughs) podcaster ray rizzo welcome hi welcome uh, <laughs> i just said welcome to myself <laughs> thank you for having me yes of Thanks course for being here. you were one of the first people that i thought of when we started doing this franchise the x-men franchise because i know how much this movie means to you oh my god so i'm excited to talk to you about it i am so excited <laughs> But first i want to know about what what is your sort of entry point into the x-men in general, as characters, as a franchise with the movies and your thoughts on the whole Fox franchise. And then, of course, what is your favorite mutant? Okay, wow. So my entry, so it, it, it was kind of took a while because I did watch X-Men Evolution. Although, did that start before or after 2000? It was mm-hmm. like in the 2000s. Yeah, it was like it was like right after the first X Men movie. Okay, I think. It was like then I saw the first X Men movie first. Okay. It was a at sleepaway camp, and they were going to divide up the camp, and half the camp was going to go see X Men, and the other half was going to go camping. And I, having an aversion to anything remotely popular at that time, I chose to go camping, but it got washed out, so I had to go see X Men anyways, and ended up loving it. I think that movie is like such a perfect movie. I have studied it academically. One of my Mm -hmm. professors taught a seminar called Shapeshifter Shamanism and the Magic If, and X-Men was one of the movies that we studied because the point of the course was to talk about sci-fi and fantasy and how it can be used to try to tell universal truths about human Mm -hmm. experience. Such an awesome class. Very Uh formative. And then, like like I said, I watched X-Men Evolution on Saturday mornings as a kid. You know, early, early queer awakening to Wanda Maximoff before sure. I realized how much I was going to love her and her entire extended family later in the... Of course. <laughs> later in life. And then, when it comes to Marvel, I, I tend more towards the Avengers side. Of their franchise so x-men is like i still love it i'm still engaged with it but it's not like the primary part of fandom that i'm in however x-23 is one of my favorite characters of all time Mm -hmm. 
I don't even remember how I first learned about her, but as soon as I did, I was like, I need to consume every single piece of media that this character has ever been in. I don't want to. I don't want to take credit for it, but I think it might have been me. <laughs> I was think, it you? I think, I think it might have been. I think I had recommended like maybe run, not Runaways. It was something else. To, maybe it was. I don't know. But I recommended something to you, and then I was like, "Well, what kind of stuff do you like?" And you described basically what was like X twenty three vibes, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Have you ever heard of this character X twenty 3 And then I, I think you, I think you checked it out at that point, and then. That was my my big success in terms of like yes. recommending things to you, if I if I remember correctly. I mean, honestly, that is highly possible because uh-huh. I just I have a character type, and you know my character mm-hmm. type at this point, which is child assassins and the yes. traumatized adults they grow up to be. Mm-hmm. So, so would you say that X twenty three is your favorite mutant then? Probably, like, I really love the Snicked family, as it Uh is, like, between her and Gabby, which is, like, Mm -hmm. her younger clone, so Gabby is to Laura as Laura was to Logan. Was that during her Wolverine run? Yeah. The all-new Wolverine or whatever? Yeah, Yeah. and Dokken actually had some interaction with the family, and I'm like, I love this. You're mm-hmm. all broken people, and I adore you. <laughs> During this this mutant summer campaign that Scott and I have been going on as extracurricular, I've been like low key rewatching X Men Evolution on Disney Plus, and it really holds up. Mm. Yeah, I I've rewatched some of it, and it's just like I don't know. I think as a kid and being a social outcast, I was really drawn to it because it was just like this whole group of outcasts who you know. Yeah. And just, like the designs were so cool. Their personalities were all so cool. You just wanted to like hang out with them. Yeah. And the sibling, like even then, the the like sibling anger between Wanda and Pietro was like, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I think X-Men is at its best when it's really highlighting these familial relationships that come out of you know, this, this world that's been created around them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about X-Men is how the story of mutant kind becomes the parallel to any story of injustice or oppression that you could really apply it to, whether it be racial injustice, which is very kind of prevalent in the sort of Malcolm X, Martin Luther King parallels, which we talked about at length in that seminar with Professor X and Magneto. But also just like, was it the, was it X2 with the like, have you tried not being a mutant? Yes. X2. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like Marvel has a tendency to make their queer characters are tend to be either mutants or aliens. Mm. Um, I feel like they find like that's a safe place for them to explore those themes. Yeah. Quote, safe. Yeah, and those allegorical parallels are, are are definitely on full display in Logan. Oh yeah. Especially like as as it goes along, like in the third act and stuff, there are certain images and sequences that are like really heartbreaking to watch. Yeah. And so yeah, so we're let, let let's talk about Logan. Let's talk about the development of this film. 
which was, you know, honestly pretty standard, surprisingly standard. And I think that there wasn't a lot of shifts in direction or studio interference or really anything like that, because I think everyone, you know, the the pre-production of this film and the development of this film came with the immense baggage of... Hugh Jackman deciding he 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 had a conversation with Jerry Seinfeld of all people, <laughs> and Jerry Seinfeld was talking about he, Hugh Jackman was like, "How did you know when it was time to leave Seinfeld the show?" And Jerry Seinfeld was like, "Well, you know, I didn't, but I knew that everyone still really liked the show, and I knew that if I stayed on long enough, people might not like the show anymore. I might be tired of me." or the show, or whatever, and I wanted to get out while the getting's good, so we ended the show kind of on a high. And that really stuck with Hugh Jackman, and this was, you know, I, I believe he was having this conversation with him like shortly after The Wolverine was released. Mm-hmm. And as he was like kind of prepping to go into Days of Future Past, and it really, it really hit him. And he was like, I think... You know, I'm 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 trucking along towards 50. I'm getting close. This isn't going to be easy for me anymore. And do I want to keep going until I can't do it anymore? Or do I want to have one last ride where I know I'm at 100% and I can do I can end this on my terms and not, you know, a studio exec asking me to stop doing this. And so he came to Fox and was like, I think. I want to do one last Wolverine movie, and I think I want it to be my last time as the character. I, I think I want this to be the end. I'm shooting my last X-Men movie, and I want to shoot one last Wolverine movie and call it a day. And everyone sort of agreed and was like, I think this is a great idea. You've been doing this character for 17 years. Let's wrap it up and let's do it right. And so he took a pay cut to make sure that the movie would be rated R. Because he wanted to have, if he was going to go one last ride as Wolverine, he wanted to make the Wolverine movie and do the sequences that he's been promising fans for like 17 years of like, this is the one where we're finally going to do it. You know, it was like every time there's a Wolverine movie, he would be like, this is the time that Wolverine's finally going to go like berserk and you're going to see like full on Wolverine. And he said that for X2 and he said that for the Wolverine. And now he he was like, this time I really want to say it and mean it. And so Mm -hmm. I'm willing to take the pay cut. If it means that we're going to have all the blood and like really show the damage that those claws can do to people and really go whole hog on it and also be able to tell a more mature story that I've been wanting to tell for a long time that keeps getting, you know, obstructed by studio notes and, you know, X-Men and all of this stuff. I want to just tell a mature Wolverine story about this man who has had a life of pain and what that does to you. And he didn't want to do it with anybody but James Mangold, James Mangold, who had directed The Wolverine. And James Mangold was interested, but did only wanted to come back if he got to do something really different with this one. He was like, I made a Wolverine movie. I want this to be something else. I want this to be a movie about the man, about Logan. And so they worked on the story together and they pitched the story to Fox. Fox loved the story. It ended up being a loose adaptation of Old Man Logan because Hugh Jackman reached out to fans and was like, what do you guys want to see the next Wolverine movie be? And it was like unanimously everyone was like, Old Man Logan, Old Man Logan, Old Man Logan. And so he was like, okay. So they look at Old Man Logan and Old Man Logan, if you've read it, is just like 
it's unforgiven. It's Mark Millar. Yeah, it's 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 Mark Miller, it's Mark yeah. Miller, it's Steve McNiven, and it's Unforgiven. Like it's just Unforgiven with Wolverine, and it's the claws instead of picking up a gun. It's popping claws instead of picking up a gun. It's exactly the same. Old man Hawkeye is Morgan Freeman. It's the same plot, almost beat for beat, right? And I don't think either one of them had interest in doing an, an actual straight adaptation of this, but as we'll get into when we start diving into the movie proper, they do adapt it, and they adapt it, I think, in really interesting ways, different moments from it, and, I, and, I, and I'm excited to get into all of that. But they wanted to do that. The other two movies that they were very inspired by with this were The Wrestler was one of them. So Unforgiven, obviously, because of the, the, the Old Man Logan connection. Shane, very obviously, because, you know, literally Shane is in the movie. And then, of all things, Little Miss Sunshine. James Mangold pitched Fox and was like, I want to make Little Miss Shut Sunshine, but with Wolverine. <laughs> and I was like, when I read that, I was like, oh my god, that is what it is. It is like yeah. Little Miss yeah. Sunshine. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, my mind is blown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that. So it's it's Unforgiven meets The Wrestler meets Little Miss Sunshine. And that 100% sums up Logan. So they went into writing the script. Uh, Jane Mangold took a swing at it. And then it moved on to Michael Green, who wrote a draft. And in his draft... Laura is like she talks a lot more. She's a lot more like her character from from the comics where she like talks a lot more and and has a very distinct personality right from the get go. I mean, not to say that she doesn't have a personality in this mm-hmm. movie, but a more like verbose verbal personality and is a little more like quirky and like, you know, trying to have. Uh, trying like having that weird balance between being like this feral assassin and also like a goofy kid, you know, and and really sort of balancing those two things. And if you've seen other Michael Green stuff, you can kind of picture what that would feel like. Michael Green, of course, being the screenwriter of like, well, just recently Jungle Cruise, but also things like Prometheus. Yeah, Prometheus. He did the uh, American Gods TV adaptation. Murder on the Orient Express was his. Wow. So he's he's worked on a lot of things. He's a very good writer, but he knows how to have fun with a script more so than a lot of other. Uh, well, I think more so than what they were probably going for with this. Mm-hmm. So they got the script and they all sort of felt like it wasn't right. So James Mangold went to his buddy, screenwriter Scott Frank, creator of uh, Queen's Gambit, among other things, and was like, hey, what do you think of this? How can we change this to be more of the tone of what we're looking for? And Scott Frank was like, well, the first thing that I would do is have it so that Laura doesn't speak until everyone else is dead. Like just have her not talk because she, depending on who you cast, she could be dangerously close into like annoying child sidekick territory. (laughs) And so like, just have her not talk, have her be quirky, but just have her not speak. And just that simplification of the character will, I think, endear people to her because you'll instantly be like, well, she's been through some shit, number one. Yeah. And number two, she's kind of badass and believably badass because you're not hearing her be a kid all the time, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so that was the big change that he made. And then just overall, a sort of a tonal shift. And then they, they went into production and, you know, the, the budget of the movie was only 95 million, not that much, but it went on to make over $600 million worldwide. I mean, this was, this movie was a phenomenon when it was released. And honestly, I think that it deserved it. I think it was a, it was a, it was multiple things. One, it was coming off the high of the previous R-rated feature, Deadpool, mm-hmm. which, you know, was a big success and everyone seemed to really enjoy. And this being the follow-up to that, because when Deadpool was put into production, it was put into production with two other films that were like sort of greenlit at the same time. And they were going to be like the R-rated X-Men trilogy. And it was going to be Deadpool. It was going to be Logan and it was going to be the new mutants, which we'll get to when we talk about the new mutants and what happened with that movie. But those were the three things. And it was like, one is Deadpool, you know, uh, you know, uh, fourth wall breaking wacky action comedy kind of thing. Logan, which is a brooding post-apocalyptic Western. And then the new mutants, which was going to be like a horror film. And that was the take. There's like, we're going to get experimental with the R-rated ones. They're going to be lower budget, but we're going to get experimental with them. And Logan came out after the success of Deadpool and people were hungry for it. And a lot of people, I think, you know, part of the, I think the studio specifically blamed a lot of the lack of success for Apocalypse on the fact that Wolverine wasn't in the movie or, you know, he had that little cameo thing, but like wasn't like advertised as being part of the movie and they're like oh okay people only care about Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds apparently and so they put the full blast of marketing behind this movie and the marketing was all excellent the posters were great the trailers were great and the movie held up I think to the standard of that marketing like you saw this movie and I just remember seeing this movie for the first time and being I feeling different on the other side of it. Like I had seen something that I didn't deserve, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like it was like, wow, we did not deserve like with, with with all of the the X-Men movies that we had gotten at this point. Cause I don't even know if the extended cut of, of the Wolverine had been out yet. I certainly hadn't seen it yet. And so like, I saw this movie and it was like, what, this is so much beyond every X-Men movie that we've ever gotten in terms of like quality. And it just felt different. It, it was, it was like, I felt like both, it was like, you know, you get to the end of it and you feel like kind of like, it's like life affirming, but then it's also like a bummer, but you feel so good that he went out the way that he did. And it's just like, it's, it's all of these emotions and you feel like, like, oh my God, like I've. I've been with this man for 17 years playing this character and it's over and it's heartbreaking, but it's also like, God, what a run like that. Like you just feel so like good after watching this movie, despite the fact that it is a huge bummer. Like the movie is a huge bummer. Yeah. I just remember being blown away and like, you know, not only was it financially successful, but it ended up being nominated for best adapted screenplay at the Oscars, which was Mm -hmm. It's the only superhero film, I think, to this day that has ever been nominated for uh, maybe Joker. Was Joker nominated for a screenplay award? I can't remember. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, but it yeah, might have been. It might have been. But this was at the time, certainly the first Academy Award nomination for writing that a superhero movie. Had Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it was completely bonkers that it happened. And it, it, I mean, it's just like it was just amazing. The, the run that this had. Nick, do you remember seeing this movie for the first time? Definitely. Yeah. I was, I was living in Los Angeles at the time and it was just like a, a packed Cinemark on a, on a Friday night. And this movie really feels like 
the the equivalent of like an eclipse where all of these different planets and celestial things in the sky are aligning to create this one perfect moment. Mm-hmm. Like Scott said, like this movie kind of it felt like a phenomenon because it was all the things aligned mm-hmm. where it was like this Hugh Jackman who had, like you said, this hell of a run that had endeared himself to pop culture, mm-hmm. like past superhero stuff. You know, he was like, you know, like your your grandparents knew who Wolverine was and Hugh, <laughs> Hugh, Hugh Jackman. And so the marketing, you know, rather than being like, oh, no, we're going to lose the cash cow was like, oh, we can turn this into a real event. And that's, I think, why it had so much anticipation behind it. And then like, yeah, that electric feeling when you're in the theater and it ends. And yeah, it's like in this age where everything is feeling so small and micro marketed. And just for like 10 people, this it felt collective in the way that movies are supposed to. And and yeah, and like I, I definitely felt that moment where I felt like really close to the people I was sitting next to in those mm-hmm. final moments because, yeah, like, oh my God, we've been watching these movies since, you know, the kids on the screen right now were born, you know? Yeah. 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 Ray, what about you? What was the what was the lead oh up to this God. movie for you? And then what what did you feel? I remember how you felt because you talked to me about I it. Had right? a lot when of it happened. <laughs> yeah. So what 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 t- tell tell everybody about it. Oh my God. So just I had one of those things where I wasn't quite sure what to expect going into this film. And I walked out just like devastated in the best way, I think mm-hmm. is, and just, I mean, Hugh Jackman's the star, obviously. But on the awards thing, if this was anything other than a superhero movie, Patrick Stewart should have gotten nominated for best supporting yes. actor because his performance in this film is stellar. And for both of them, for both for both Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart, just to see the culmination of seventeen years of work. And the fact that they have been doing that 17 years of work together, mm-hmm. it, it's incredibly powerful and just some of the best acting I have seen. I I just remember crying my eyes out. I, I yeah. got a little teary when I rewatched it for this. Yeah. Because I cry at everything. That's not a surprise. But <laughs> <laughs> I cried at Deadpool, too. Like, it's fine. Um, yeah. But this movie, to me, is just really goes to show that superhero is not a genre in and of itself. It is just a type. It's like saying mythology is really what it is, because this movie was, you know, we were going through a stretch of having like, oh, the dark, gritty superhero movies that just ended up being kind of cloying and depressing, whereas this was like dark it was really really dark but in so much of it is about life being what you make of it like i think about i'm thinking about like the scene in the towards the end of the second act where they meet that family with the Mm -hmm. horses and in his last conversation with logan he's like this is one of the best nights of my life this is what it's all about like connection and just like being around other people and letting yourself feel things. Mm-hmm. And just... Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not, like, coherent, but this this movie is just, like, so rich 
you know yes. there's so much to it yeah like uh, like ray mentioned i found myself kind of thinking about the superhero movie and like thinking about it at, well, well what makes it a genre is it a genre because in the most strictest terms it's a movie that has been adapted or inspired by comic books mm-hmm. stuff something that was published in the comic book medium like mm-hmm. joker isn't based on a story but it, it is inspired by the works of like decades of comic book writers and characters right. mm-hmm. and mythology and so like yeah like most superhero movies have tropes where it's like I'm the hero. I doubt myself. I'm the villain, but you can kind of relate to me. Stop the thing from turning on. Yeah. And yeah, or catch the thing from falling. And this really like blows that apart. And it it was it's it was just a good thing to happen because I don't think we get Joker without this movie or Birds of Prey or you know the Suicide Squad just came out. Mm-hmm. And I think it it's it's encouraging to see potentially that these movies that can be very rote and can be very in a box can be so much more and like yeah like there's a wisdom to this movie whereas i think a lot of times when comic book movies try to be quote mature it can be very like self-serious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's a wisdom to this movie like you don't have to no one in this movie has to say that caring for a parent as they get older can be like devastating they just mm-hmm. show it happening to these characters meeting a child you never knew you had yeah. Can be just and the yeah, complication yeah. of that. <clears throat> and what's what Scott Frank brings to the script, like he brought to the Wolverine, is and Queen's Gambit is like so much gets to be left unsaid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just you get to really just let things live on the actors' faces when they'd say simple things like, I suck at this, you know, right. or yeah. like I'm I'm fucked up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's all you that's all you need. And so, yeah, I, I, I was kind of like not looking forward to rewatching this because I remember it being a very self-serious, laborsome movie. And what I was really surprised watching it this morning is like the heart. Yes. And, mm-hmm. the mo- and I think that's what makes this like such a hit and why so many people that maybe are get exhausted by these kinds of movies. Yeah. Went to go see it because they it just feels like a good movie. The way that yeah. like Field of Dreams or League of Their mm-hmm. Own feel like great movies. Yeah, the I, I, just <laughs> I don't remember, know why I named two baseball movies, but I just remember <laughs> I just remember that last shot of Laura changing the cross to an X mm-hmm. and the zoom in. I just remember I like like sobbing, like mm-hmm. sobbing in like the because you're feeling this 17 years of catharsis. I don't know why, but you just get this feeling of like, he did it. And you're like, did what? Like, he just made another movie. But like, it, it was it just like, you get, oh man. You, you, you know, in a way. So emotional. It, it's like, in the weirdest way, marathoning these like we've been, it's yeah. almost because they've been such missed opportunities. Yes. And you've never really, it wasn't a perfect run. Right. So it wasn't it had like, as many hits as it had misses for yeah. sure. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. like watching a dude with 10 Super Bowl rings get his 11th Super Super Bowl ring. It was like watching a dude that you know had been knocked around and had taken his I mean like uh while while we were doing this podcast Anna Paquin some quotes came out where he was like where Anna Paquin said like yeah, they really gave it to Hugh because they knew that they could because he was nobody. And you know, so the first couple of movies they just we're just throwing his body through the ringer, almost like the wrestler. Yeah. And, and so I feel like, and then as he gained in a weird, you know, I don't know, this is a movie about agency. And like, as he gained power in the movie star system, 
he was able to make something more singular and more of a vision and not just be like a tool to like right. be a studio's big summer hit for that year. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why that moment, like, you know, his burial feels like, you know, that you're like, wait, why, why am I celebrating? Is because, yeah, this was, it's weird how like everything brought itself to this movie, like metatextually. Yeah. And I was just thinking that this movie goes to the place that we never really go to, which is the aging and what mm-hmm. happens over time. Like, I remember being particularly hit by the fact that, you know, Logan has had this adamantium in his system for so, so long that it's finally, like, poisoning him and overcoming his, like, ability to heal. Yeah. Just the whole, oh, you have the world's most powerful psychic and he has a degenerative brain condition. Like, that is actually truly terrifying if you sit and think about it. And we don't get those stories because very often Hollywood is focused on the young and the hot and the sex appeal wow and there's just something really real and raw about watching you know this movie that's very much about aging and death but at the same time new life that's Mm -hmm. that's a really good point ray yeah like you 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 can't i can't think of a lot of movies or television shows that show the reality that a lot of people are living right now which is like our bodies are deteriorating health being healthy costs money, parents get older, but yet here in this like big, you know, superhero pulp movie is like, you have more reality reflected than a lot of like indie Sundance movies. Just like every time Logan had to pull out those cheaters in order to read a document or see what was on his phone. Oh, yeah. like, it's it's a very uh-huh. small detail. With the, with the tag still on, I noticed. With yeah. the tag still on! <laughs> oh... Uh, it's, it's so good. All right. So let's, let's start breaking the movie down. Now. Yeah. Well, like Scott said, this movie starts with Logan popping claws. Yeah. J- just, just wasting some Mexicans or <laughs> Americans. Uh, I don't know what side of, I think he's in, uh, isn't he in Vegas? He was in Texas. Yeah. I think he was in Texas. Oh, I think El Paso. Oh, yeah. Yes. There was a road sign that said El Paso. Oh, um, I didn't know El Paso was a Vegasy kind of town, or is it not normally? Well, I think in the year twenty twenty nine, Scott, that's just oh, okay. what 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 all <laughs> every city yeah. looks like Las Vegas. Yeah, Fair enough. <laughs> so I think what Scott's referring, yeah, is like the, as he's like just again just claws out like Jennifer Garner and Peppermint just wasting these guys. There's like this big billboard, like neon billboard of a racing event, and yeah, it kind of looks like Vegas, but think it's in texas and yeah and the kind of leading off with the the gore and the violence but what i appreciate about it is this movie's about logan reckoning with that violence mm-hmm. so showing that violence i think matters in this movie and mm-hmm. i don't i don't think it's just like juvenile 90s comic you know gore for gore's sake like oh look yeah. it's metal it's like you really want to believe this guy when he feels guilty about all the pain that he's caused yeah. you, you, you get to see it right away and like, I love that his claw doesn't come out all the way. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. When he pulls it out all the way, it is. It is one of the, oh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> so you 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 led the show, Scott, by mentioning gig economy. Yep. And like a lot of drivers, I think right now, Logan is far more concerned about the health of his car than his body. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he gets molly whopped. He gets he gets he gets kicked. He gets like he's getting like the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. Yeah. 
He is. It is. And it really just goes to show you like, that's the thing is like this movie does something interesting because, you know, the original old man Logan is all about like Wolverine hasn't popped his claws in 50 years. He's peaceful and like he doesn't want to get into fights or scraps or anything. He's done. He's tired of death. And that, you know, the, you get a reveal later on that like he killed all the X-Men because like somebody like uh like like brainwashed him for a second and he saw things that weren't there and Mr. Accidentally killed Yeah, accidentally killed a bunch of the X-Men. And they adapt this here by having Xavier be the one who did that mm. in the past. But the popping of the claws is not the thing that they're they're keeping away. It's more of like Wolverine going full Wolverine, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And so they, the, the, the way that they do that is like they introduce that drug and you don't get to see him use it until the third act. And then you're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's Wolverine. There he is. And they even like give him the haircut on his uh, with, with his facial hair to like make him look more like Wolverine. So you get the big Wolverine unforgiven kind of like oh shit he's like at full full capacity and he's like you know fucking dudes up but like the movie isn't about waiting to see him pop his claws they're like no he's gonna pop his claws you never stop popping his claws it's just like it sucks now and like we're gonna show like how bad it is for him and how rough it is you know yeah because it's getting harder to put him away every single time right like it's taking longer to heal yeah, which is like a reality of getting older. Like, oh, it's it's like the mind isn't going anywhere, but the body can't do what it used to do. Yeah, And each encounter, each scrap that I have with random stunt performers, it's, it's going to take a little longer for my body to recover afterward. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, like I love the mo- I loved him going to a gas station bathroom and changing one white, a bloodied white shirt for a clean white shirt. And like, yeah, even him putting oh. on the shirt is so and painful. Him, like him like forcing the bullets out of his body in a way that like you you just know the thing that inspired that for him was that that thing where you're like i need to throw up and you're like forcing yourself to throw up and you're just like hovering over the toilet like i threw up once but i know i got another Mm -hmm. one in me i I know it's coming you know like that's what it felt like it was really and i don't know if this was intentional but like we've seen how many x-men movies where he the bullets just pop out without him even trying Right. It's such a classic Wolverine moment. And then to see, like, now he has to flex and force it. Yeah. Or just the audience, like, oh, shit. He's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Logan has been hiding Charles south of the border mm-hmm. in Mexico, being cared for with Caliban, played by Stephen Merchant. Yeah. Uh, his, making- uh, his old buddy Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think they mentioned that this operation that we see has been going on for about a year. Right. Yep. Right. Since the um, incident in Westchester. Yeah. Which is like, if we want to get into it, so I love that it's just an accident. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. He's just just for all the greatness and all the speeches and all the good intentions. Just one day, Charles Xavier was just a guy who had a seizure. But because of who he is and his powers, it had these devastating consequences. And yep. it, it wasn't a plot. It wasn't a scheme. It was, it was right. just the farce of life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just such a better adaptation of that than just giving Logan man pain of like, oh, man, I killed the X-Men. Yeah. I don't deserve that, to pop my claws. Yeah. In yeah. yeah. And that's, that's why like old man blank stories are a mixed bag for me because it's yeah. always like, Oh, one day, just the Joker's gonna do it. Just randomly, it's gonna be like, oh, today's the day I, I did it. I killed, but you know, I killed Robin. 
Right. Right. And yeah, this is just, yeah, uh, that, that, those scene, the scene where you see Professor X living in that silo. Oh, is, God. it's really, really heartbreaking because. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to remember the line that really got me. He's, he's like, I always know who you are, but I don't always recognize you. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, yeah. oh, that really got me. Because yeah. so like we were saying earlier, so much of this movie goes unsaid. And what happened in Westchester still pretty much goes unsaid for most yeah. of the movie. And I think it seems like they told Charles that it was something Logan did because he's checks in with Logan several times. Like, will you be safe? Yeah. And I think, you know, part of that might just be that it's it's too much for an old man to handle. You know, that he took in all of these people that he cared about um, yeah, and harmed them in the end. Yeah. Even right. if he didn't mean to, he still did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Logan just kind of wears that resentment on his, just with his body as he cares for this guy that is like a father to him. But there is that like. There's definitely resentment there. But there's mm-hmm. also this sense of like, I understand what you're feeling. Because. Yeah. I've been there, man. Like I, I get, I get what it feels like to have hurt the people that you care about mm-hmm. and not mean to, or you know, I mean, you know, uh, we in, in how many of these movies has he woken up from a bad dream and then impaled somebody with his claws? You yeah, know, yeah. like you know, just 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 from just at that level, like uh, yeah. you know, he would understand what that feels like. Yeah, and what what keeps him caring for this person instead of shutting the, shunning him. Right. As we right. get older, our control over our bodies loosens. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what so much of like Charlie Kaufman's movies are about. Right. Is it's almost like we're trapped with ourselves. Yeah. I couldn't help but have a slight Frasier vibe in this scene. Like, absolutely. Like, like just like Frasier talking to his dad yeah. of just like, all right, oh. dad. Like, that. Have you taken your pills, dad? Yeah. You're disappointing <laughs> yeah. me. <laughs> yeah that's there's always because there's always that slight element with hugh jackman's wolverine mm-hmm. of like of like well i mean you're a broadway guy like you're you're doing a really good job being like tough guy wolverine but at the end of the day there's always this little bit of element of like <laughs> of like acting you know <laughs> that's always that's always ever present i remember watching this scene for the first time and also being like oh, how great is it to see patrick stewart still rocking after all these years but yeah, to see Hugh Jackman and to know that he was so fresh in that first X Men movie, and mm-hmm. to see to see him now such this great screen actor getting yes. to be in a real scene with Patrick Stewart, it yeah, it just was really cool. Like he because he's been in the Prestige and the Fountain and done all this great stuff, yeah. And for them to meet now as like peers, it's really it's cool. I, I also really like this scene from an art direction standpoint because it's like this dilapidated silo that is shaped very similarly to Cerebro. So it's, it yeah. has, it's like, it's like, you know, subconsciously putting that into your head. Right. Yeah. And I, I really, really like that with him just like at the center of it. It's mm-hmm. a really cool way of doing this art direction in mm-hmm. this movie. Logan's status quo is disrupted. He's been living as like just a, a, a limo driver. He's driving a 2024 Cadillac. And he's visited by this woman named Gabriella, and then visited by uh, Boyd Hallbrook mm-hmm. from Narcos, mm-hmm. who is looking for Gabriella. I think he is really good at what he's doing in this, but every time I watch this movie, I just think about how much better it would probably be if this was Victor. 
Oh. If instead of Boyd, Boyd Hallbrook, if this was Liv Schreiber as that, Victor. Yeah. That hmm. could be, that could be interesting. I kind of appreciate that, like, his last, in a way, his last villain is just like some asshole that works for Alkali. Sure. Where I, yeah, I I don't dislike the movie. I just I I do I do wish that there were, we got one last ride with Victor. Oh, for sure. Uh, and 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 in a good movie because Liv Schreiber is so good as Victor. Right. Absolutely. You know, never getting to play yeah. that character again in a better movie is a little bit of a bummer. But, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And yeah, I was I th- I I really liked Boyd Hallbrook's Donald in this movie. Just like. I think those like early moments of humor where he's just like, I'm a fan, you know, just like there's a, it's more natural than a lot of X-Men movies, certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think his like kind of creepy, uneasy charisma is really cool. I love him in Narcos. Yeah. So Logan like takes up Gabrielle on his offer because he's trying to raise money to buy a sunboat. <laughs> so he could just, <laughs> him and Charles could just take off into the Pacific Ocean and, and just float. Yep. Where his seizures won't hurt anybody, because that's pretty much the only place on Earth he's going to be able to go. Just the fish, Logan. Only the fish. (laughs) (laughs) And so he goes, he drives to this hotel. I noticed it was, if if I'm not mistaken, the Liberty Motel. Reminded me of Liberty Island. I don't know. Oh. And basically makes an offer of like, hey, I have this girl. We meet Laura, played by Daphne Kane, and introducing Daphne Kane. I'm sure we'll get into it at some point. How, how... But yeah, what a what a great performance. Yeah. But it's like, hey, will you like journey her with her to North Dakota? I can pay you. Cause he's like, no, I don't want to get I'm not I'm about this life anymore. I just want to float on a swan boat with my dad. <laughs> Interestingly enough, so Daphne King was it, it was between two actors, and ultimately it went to Daphne King because crazy crazy that you could just do this james mangold was like well she's supposed to be latino so we should probably cast a latino actress um oh my god yeah amazing so so that's why they went with daphne king but it was between daphne king and millie bobby brown millie bobby brown would of course Mm -hmm. go on to play 11 which is a very similar character to this to this character what might have been yeah. Would this yeah. have been instead of Stranger Things or after I, Stranger Things? I, I think so. I think this would have been instead of, I believe. Because I think these shot around the same time. Also, just Daphne Keene has a face that looks really upsettingly similar to Hugh Jackman's. There's something mm. like in the eyes, she really does look like she could be his daughter. Yeah. Or made with his genetic material, as it were. Sure. Yes. Well, one or the other. Just <laughs> has this like. Uh, yeah, just this presence that really saves the movie or, you know, levels up the movie. And yeah, great idea by Scott Frank to like really minimalize the dialogue because I mm-hmm. I just think it does so much more to the audience to adhere to this character without any of the usual tropey, like weird, quirky kid, cute kid stuff. Yeah, like like a precocious child thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then also it does a lot for the young actor because... Yeah learning your lines and and, and memorizing like like all of that takes skill that takes time to learn that as a child actor you haven't really gotten yet and so being able to act without having to really remember anything is probably extremely helpful as mm-hmm. a as a child actor and so it allowed her to really create a character yeah. and just strengthened her performance overall i think she never has like a monologue about the ca- like what they did to her at the lab or right. like she has that Shane monologue, but you know, <laughs> yeah, 
great, great, great. We'll get to it. Yeah. Terrific memory. Yes. So Logan goes back. Abrielle is dead. Laura is missing. He drives back to the farm, and then Boyd Holbrook comes with his guys. And there's this moment that I really... So we, we get Laura and Professor X meeting, and we see Professor X. I love X. them. Yeah. I love every interaction. Because that was one of the things earlier. Charles had been saying that he had found an, another mutant. There hadn't been any mutants born in 25 years, so they think he's crazy. He's just a crazy old man. It's like, no, there's actually a young mutant around, and he's communicating with her. Mm-hmm. And a big excuse for Logan to lose even more hope is like the mutants have died off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's an aspect of this we haven't talked about yet, but there, there, it, it makes it a very sort of children of men. Like I'm surprised yeah. children of men isn't talked mm-hmm. about as like one of the inspirations of this movie because there's definitely a children of men yeah. aspect to it. But it also it feels like an adaptation of the whole no more mutants thing in a, in a lot of ways. It's like an adaptation of it, not like. This is what we're doing, but it, it is sort of a similar vibe of like mutants are an endangered species now. Yeah. And, you know, it's adapted in the same way that like old man Logan was adapted. Like it's, you know, it's it's barely old man Logan, really. But they took the idea of it and 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 brought it into here. And there are a lot of disparate X-Men comic ideas that they all put into this movie to to make this thing and it feels like too many things it should be too many things but they they do but it's just the right amount of things yeah they do each thing just enough and it's 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 oh man it's so good well the uh the the idea of the mutants becoming endangered or no mutants being born in 25 years really augments the sense of nihilism that yes. these characters are living in, where yeah. this whole saga, there's been this much ballyhooed war between mutants, where we're gonna have, we're gonna be on top eventually, and what world we're we'll be in here, and then none of that promise is fulfilled, and it was just all a big lie, mm-hmm. and the mutants aren't aren't going to last another generation, and mm-hmm. all of that clashing and last standing and days of future pasting was just bullshit. And why did we even try? I'm just thinking now that like Magneto is probably somewhere in his grave going, I told you so. Like, well, even he was wrong. Yeah. Well, he always dreamed of like someday we'll rise above and become homo superior. But even that dream. Well, I mean, I told you so in the sense of like how much humanity would how far humanity would go to wipe out their kind. Right. Yeah. When we get into the Richard E. Grant stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing is 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 really interesting and I think that um it 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 makes Days of Future Past so much more of a bummer because they're literally like we got to save the future guys. Like we got to go past in the past. We got to save the future. We're not going to survive otherwise. And then they do it and they succeed and you have that great ending of Days of Future Past where everything is like hunky dory and like everyone's in the mansion they're a big happy family but then this is where we end up is you know a few years down the line this is where we are which is which is life of like you have these moments of big i'm on top of the hill but then it keeps going yeah you keep aging yeah and i i thought a lot about like the hopelessness that can come with getting older of Mm -hmm. like logan and charles are like retreating from the world because, well, like, there's nothing left to fight for. There's no more, like, it's all, why why even bother? Let's just curl up in a hole and die, which is, you know, how a lot of people are feeling these days, yeah. looking down the barrel of another century. And then 
uh, Laura represents like, no, there's always going to be a new generation. There's always going to be a flicker of hope. And Charles sees it before Logan. So like while the big fight's happening, Charles is like, look, you need to protect her. She's why this is happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, Laura's first fight scene is like, it's savage. It's perfect. It's great. Yeah. When she comes out holding the dude's head and just throws (laughs) it in front of them, like it, it does so much more than any, like dialogue could of her being like yeah oh yeah. yeah absolutely i remember being surprised seeing this that they they did x23 correctly i i thought for sure going into this that she was just going to have three claws just like wolverine and that was going to be it i did was not expecting the two the claws and the foot claw. I was not expecting the foot claws. I, I, I thought for sure they wouldn't do that because it is a little silly. But they not only do they do it, but it rules. Like, it like rules. they waited for the perfect moment to do it, too. Yes. Like, yeah. And it wasn't in any of the trailers. So I was like, I was waiting for the moment because I was just like, they got to do it. They got to do it. They got to do it. And then <laughs> mm-hmm. they did. And it was great. It's so good. Yeah, and they escape. Yeah, we even we even get like a fun. Charles even explains like you know Logan because of the genomes. That's what. Yeah, the, the whole thing about like lions defend <laughs> lionesses yeah. using their back their like rear claws defensively and front claws offensively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love I love him. I love Charles in the back like Alan Arkin in Little Miss Sunshine, just like Grandpa <laughs> sitting in the back seat. Yeah. <laughs> They start watching Gabriella's videos. Really, kind of the greatest act, the most human act of heroism in the movie is is Gabriella and these nurses. One hundred percent. In real life, these are the heroes that are wiped off the board, and we never hear about them on the news. Of and there's like, that like quiet. I mean, it's not even that quiet, but that sort of like undertone of racism that runs throughout pretty much the whole reason that they had the operation running in Mexico. They thought that the Mexican women wouldn't figure out what was going on, that it was supposed to be like a cancer study. And it's, it's, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Really like not. Gabriella says in the video, yeah, they assumed that we would just be, you know, dumb and not ask questions and not be curious, but they formed attachment to these kids that they were running experiments on birthed by women that quote, like could just be forgotten about. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. And like, you know, the US government was totally in on it. <laughs> and it all ties back into Alkali. And mm-hmm. Wolverine, still after all these years, not having full ownership over his own DNA and his blood. I really like the simplification that they took with, because like the Weapon X program, the naming of it, the, <laughs> it's like, It's very silly because they call it the Weapon X program, but like technically it's called Weapon X because Wolverine is Weapon 10. Like he's the 10th version of like Mm -hmm. this program that they've attempted. Deadpool being the 11th because he's like XL or X1 or XI, whatever. But then it turns into Weapon X. And now I, I like that when you have X23, she's part of the Weapon X program, but like it doesn't, I don't. Like, I've never liked that it's like Weapon X, which is Weapon 10, but then she's X-23, but really she's 10-23? No. And it was, it's like this whole like, confusing... <laughs> it's like, it's new, the Final Fantasy series, Scott. Yeah, it's this whole confusing like Roman numeral thing. And so I like the simplification of like, okay, 
our thing was we looked at the Weapon X program and we were like, well, Weapon X was the best one. And so we're going to re- try and recreate that, that. This, these kids are our 23rd attempt at recreating Weapon X. And the 24th one is the time that we like, you know, quote unquote, got it right. And why we're going to wipe these kids out of the, out of existence. And it's just like a really like simplified way to get to the X 23 thing that doesn't feel like, they're they're like bending over backwards to make sense out of why she's called X-23. And they're like, she's not. They're all X-23. It's fine. Um, and I really like that. Part of me wonders if they originally settled on 23 just because that's the number of pair, like pairs of chromosomes that we have. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. That's, fun. that's also true. That's Genes, also true. genetics. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Charles presents this challenge to logan of hey like you might not like it this isn't fair you didn't ask for this but isn't this your responsibility isn't she your responsibility mm-hmm. and logan's like fuck no <laughs> <laughs> now while we're talking about all of this stuff about transgen and all, uh, trans transgen is that what it's Tra- called transgen yeah. Trans- transgen yeah there's an a- extra i in there um <laughs> i uh, do you guys remember when this movie was like ramping up and we had the post credit scene in Apocalypse? I remember everyone, myself included, thought that the villain of this movie was Mr. Sinister and that Richard E. Grant was playing Mr. Sinister. I, I remember that going into this and being like really disappointed. And then, of course, that post credit scene goes nowhere because it, it doesn't get paid off anywhere. But I still to this day think he would have been a really good casting choice for Mr. Sinister. I had completely forgotten Richard Grant was in this and was delighted when his name shows up in the opening credits and was like, where, how, and who? And then I was like, oh, that's right. He's like the science guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do remember that being a thing at the time that everyone was like, because of Apocalypse, everyone was like, well, Mr. Sinister, that must be setting up Logan because that's the next thing. What what if after like, (laughs) oh, oh, so you didn't like how the Wolverine ended with him fighting a big CGI samurai, huh? I'm going to, I'm going to really pull the rug. I'm going to make this sparse. Cormac McCarthy <laughs> kind of like Western and then like, look out, Laura, it's Mr. Sinister. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I, he has a name like a regular, I don't, I, the name is escaping me because I didn't look it up, but he has like a regular name, but like it would have been very easily easy to just name him the name and never call him Mr. Sinister and just like have him be here. That's like very much a, uh, an X-Men thing to do, but mm-hmm. uh, X-Men movie thing to do. But yeah, instead he's Dr. Rice who, is he from the comics at all? Yeah. Is he? Yeah, okay. he was actually, he was the scientist working on Mora in the comics. Okay, gotcha. It was gotcha. Dr. Rice. And so um, yeah, they thought the answer was like breeding a new Wolverine or raising a new Wolverine. But the answer is just to, like Matthew, Matthew Vaughn said, <laughs> reboot with a younger, hotter Wolverine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. One that can't get old or not want to make Wolverine movies anymore. I love when they go to, I thought it was Reno, kind of like Scott, but I think it turns out they were in Oklahoma City uh, because over the radio, they're like, oh, shit went down in a hotel in Oklahoma City. I I love all of this. I love Laura wanting a new outfit and mm-hmm. Charles being the grandpa and being like, well, we need clothes. And Laura's yeah. shit, I'm spending money. God damn it. Like, <laughs> Charles watching Shane on the hotel TV with Laura and being like, this was a very famous film, Laura. I saw this, but it's just like, it's so I had, grandpa. I had like shivers. Cause yeah, it's like the most grandpa taking care of the grandkid moment. Mm-hmm. And it's like in a superhero movie. The thing that really threw me watching it is like when this happens specifically, 
I got a flash of a memory of when I saw Shane because my grandpa showed it to me. Wow. So, and my grandpa had, had since passed on. And so like, you know, he, he was gone, but I always had this memory of watching Shane, this old Western movie that me as a kid was just like, I don't want to watch this, but like, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I, I do, I remember him talking about it in kind of a similar way. My grandpa's from Brooklyn. So a very sure. different vibe than Patrick Stewart. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, very, very similar feeling about Shane. Shane is a very lauded movie for, for men of a certain age, I think. There's such a great little character moment because when you first see them starting, like, watching the movie, there's a shot and somebody dies and Laura is completely unfazed by it. Like, which is mm, wow, jarring. Yeah. You know, you would think a young kid watching a movie like that would flinch or something, but she's just been exposed to so much violence. Yeah. doesn't even phase her well there's mm-hmm. like the brilliant moment where like you know logan finds the comic books and it it pisses him off and then he <laughs> he take and then he goes and he takes it out on on laura and it's like you're a dumb kid this is bull and charles is like i don't think laura needs to be reminded about the impermanence of life and yeah like, seriously oh, crap yeah and that whole moment is just really like you're, these characters. We've been these actors have been living in these character skin for like seventeen years, and they're just allowed to be a family having a fight in a hotel room. I, you know, the thing that I love about the payoff of the comic book coordinates mm-hmm. of of Eden and all of that. The thing that I love about the payoff of that is like the whole time he's like, "It's not real," and it turns out it's not. It's not real. It's just where all the kids agreed to meet. It's it's not like it's like this amazing place where all mutants can live free. It's like no. We all love these comic books because we all love the X-Men and we're going to meet at these coordinates because we will all remember it Mm -hmm. and we're going to meet here by this day and then we're going to move on to Canada. And like, it's just, it's, it's, it's so cute and childlike in like a really great way, but it's realistic because he's not wrong it is stupid like Mm -hmm. and and he thought that there was they thought that there was going to be like this perfect society where they could live the rest of their lives and like that wasn't it at all and so like i really like how that ended up being paid off if you want to take it a bit step further even the idea of like it becomes real because these kids care about it yes that's exactly what i was gonna say it's like a little love letter to fans Yes. Because from the outside, you know, comic book nerds have been picked on forever. And it's, you know, they're made up little stories, but they're meaningful. And they're meaningful because we collectively have decided that they have meaning. Mm-hmm. Eden wasn't in the comics because it's real. Eden was real because the comics meant something to them. Yes. And it, yeah, and it's like, you know, it's easy to be cynical. Like, well, why, why was this such an emotional moment that this, like, millionaire got to make a movie but like the fans and the people give it and even hugh jackman's like want to make like quote like the ultimate wolverine movie yeah and honor these fans and he didn't even really understand the scope when he took the role right mm-hmm. i don't think right. i i don't know if i said it on air but like i found this quote after the first x-men episode where he was like if i had known how big of a deal it was i probably wouldn't have signed on because that would have intimidated me Right. right. And, and, and so like, yeah, and like taking that, you know, even further, it's like, this is his last movie as Wolverine. And he's looking back at the fans who made this, his whole career as Wolverine possible, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's like, you guys made it real, literally, like it's a movie now, it's real. <laughs> and you guys did that because you loved it so much. 
And that's, ah, God, it's so good. It's so good. I'm getting a little weepy just thinking about it right now. (laughs) I'm not (laughs) going to lie. (laughs) So we get the scene where Charles finds out about Eaton, runs back. Charles has had an attack and everyone in the hotel is conscious but frozen. Yeah. Very spooky, specific detail. It's it's like a horrific version of what he did in X2 in the museum. Right. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. It's not as clean anymore. No. Yeah. So as Wolverine is like for you know stomping his way through the hallway and slowly going to each guard and like impaling them in the face and yeah. they can oh. abs- they see it coming the whole time and can't I, do anything. I love that the elevator works fine. Like <laughs> yeah. like he, he, like it's, he struggles to push the button, but once he does, the elevator works fine because the elevator is not being affected by any of this. Yeah. Yeah. The cars just, crash just fine. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really like that. It makes it even more off-putting that like mm-hmm. all the mechanical stuff works fine. It's not the world that's messed up; it's the people, it's the brains. Yeah, yeah, it's their brains. Yeah, it's it's really. Uh, yeah, puts a fine point on it, yeah. I think. The moment, I, I don't think this is supposed to be funny, but maybe it is. But I just remember when they're escaping and they're wheeling past everyone and Charles is like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Our audience Speaking of funny Patrick Stewart moments, I love the moment when they first arrive at the hotel with the with the clothes mm. and he gives him the hat and he's like, oh, and he, he's like yeah. so excited <laughs> to, to put the hat on. He's like, yeah, my yeah. new hat. He's just happy to be on a trip. He's just happy yeah. to be out of the silo. Yeah. And he never takes the hat off. He's like wearing the hat in bed while watching Shane. <laughs> yeah. It's so cute. And it's like a very similar hat to like the hat that he wear like he wears when he's hanging out with Ian McKellen, like in real life. So that's uh, oh, that cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a really cool bits of sci-fi in this movie when they're driving Logan's complaining about the auto trucks. These, yeah, like, that was a great world building detail right there. Yeah, of like, oh yeah, these are always in the not too distant future. Yeah, and then something there's a horrible accident because computers are dumb. Mm-hmm. And, and match. Yeah, <laughs> and these horses get loose. And there's if you've if you're rewatching this movie, there's this little fork in the road moment of Logan's like, well, we should just someone else will come by, and Patrick Stewart's like, yeah, us, like, let's help these yeah. people, let's be good neighbors. And as right as that feels in the moment, if Logan, had, if they had just driven off, maybe one of their horses had would have gotten hit by a car or something terrible, but they wouldn't have had dinner. Yeah. The family yeah. would be alive. Yeah. 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 And also, yeah. it's like, okay, cool. The only black characters in this movie. Well, I think there's oh, one one child uh, among the Oh, yeah. Kids. I mean, honestly, like, Ray, would it be an X-Men movie if they didn't kill all the black characters? I mean, it's I like... Mean, well, it's, no, it's, I mean, it's like... ridiculous at well, this point. No, I mean, I, I, I clocked it during this movie that every person of color, be it Gabriella the nurse or the black family, are this, yeah. like, saintly, altruistic martyrs that are... Yeah. There are magical people of color. Yeah, yeah, that are viciously killed off so that the white people can have epiphanies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um you just kind of roll with it, Scott and Ray. You just kind of you just kind of keep going to the movies anyway cuz it's just so goddamn fun. Uh, there's a nice family dinner. Like Ray said, it was like, you know, the most perfect day that Professor X had and oh, it's it so sweet. <laughs> I mean, it's just I don't know. Even the first time I saw this movie in the back of my head, I'm like this family's so fucked. And yeah. 
Yeah. And so every time they're like, well, you know, like we we're alive and we have taste and music and dreams and goals. I'm like, yeah, keep talking. Like, <laughs> hey, I could see this coming a mile away. You're they're endearing. They're they're making you endearing. Yeah, they're making him. us care about you. I I do nothing think, good is going to happen. I will say, I think it's really funny though that like they introduce the racist characters, like the racist family, the family of powerful racists. Oh, the Okie dickheads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I just love that they just come into this movie and they just get fucked like seven ways from Sunday. Just like over and over again. Like well, they keep thinking they've got the upper hand and they get fucked every time. Honestly, like every person that Logan comes across in this movie, from the gas station clerk to Gabriella to this family. Yeah. It's just like a really bummer Pee Wee's big adventure where like if yeah. they all had to die after meeting Pee Wee. Yeah, but <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I, I really the moment where they talk about well, like Marge was already dead. Nick, that's so. true. Very, yeah, on this very <laughs> on this very night, <laughs> I thought the, the moment where they're talking about like, well, I used to run a school, and Logan was like, oh, I was one. I got kicked out of there a few times. Is just so beautiful because like nothing they're saying is false, but like yeah. we we the audience are in on the joke. Of we what know. Yeah. yeah, I really just the whole like. Spe- it was like a school for special needs people. <laughs> like, yeah, Logan's like, yeah, that's one way of putting it. Oh, <sighs> we get uh, Logan tucks Charles in. He gives one last lesson, which is kind of what I was saying earlier about the wisdom of the movie. Is he's like, hey man, like I know you haven't had the opportunity to a lot because you've had a really difficult life, but this is what it's mm-hmm. supposed to feel like, mm-hmm. like try to be present for this so you can learn and it's like logan you can tell logan's like half listening because he's just like tucking his dad in and this has happened a hundred times this is like a really good i think point to 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 bring up an aspect of old man logan that really sucks (laughs) and to a certain extent also unforgiven that really sucks which is your whole family is gonna die so that you have to go on this adventure I really like that they found a way to not do that in this, but still find a way to do the resonance of like, this is what you could have. This is what life is all about. You're not going to have this, but like, you're going to have your own version of this, or maybe you always did. And you're, he's going to learn that over the course of the movie, but he's not going to have like a wife and kids that are going to get slaughtered. That's going to force him to go onto this, onto this uh, adventure. So I I really like how they, how they adapted all of that. I think it was really smartly done. Well, well nominated Mm -hmm. for an Oscar. (laughs) Yes. And we're introduced to X-24, who mm-hmm. introduces himself by, by gutting uh. Charles after like, a really beautiful monologue about life and finding inner peace and stuff. When Logan finds him and is just me. being like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. That like, really so got me. Sad. It's so sad. I'm glad they had that little bit, that last interaction, because for, for Charles to die thinking Logan killed him would be super super fucked yeah the, the movie isn't yeah. isn't so brutal as to deny us that last tender moment right. on the back of on the back of the truck bed right but yeah the, the the wolverine 24 fight is super brutal i you know what's interesting about that so when i watched this movie in theaters i assumed that x24 was like a de-aged hugh jackman right mm-hmm. and that was what they had done but what i learned was that no in fact it's the opposite 
all of Logan's like scar tissue and like aging stuff, all of that is CGI. That was not like makeup or anything. That was that was all done in post and CGI, all of oh, the wow. scarring and all of that. And in, and in fact, the X24 version of Hugh Jackman is like a barely touched up Hugh Jackman. That's a flex. Um, yeah, yeah, that's seriously. a huge flex. Yeah. But yeah, they did that to save time. That's why that's because they were like, you, we can't put you in a makeup trailer for like three hours a day. You're the lead of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're not going like, to get anything done. And, and we've been coasting this whole franchise off of you not aging. Yeah. Right. So like, let, let's take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they oh. just added all of that stuff in post and CGI, which I, I never in a million years thought that it was CGI. I'm amazed. I really am. Yeah. 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 And then Logan and Laura are, oh, like, you know, some stuff happens. Caliban dies. All those Okie dickheads <laughs> die. Everyone dies eventually. I, we should probably talk about Steven yeah, Merchant for a little, a little bit. bit, right? Because, like, really, yeah, underrated work he's, for sure. He's so charming in this. Like, he really is. I like to imagine that he's the same guy from Apocalypse <laughs> and it's just he's been through some shit <laughs> in the past, like, 40 years. Yeah. I don't know why he used to talk like that. It was. Yeah. And I, I like, uh, he was, in, he was going through a kooky goth phase mm-hmm. and I, I just, I really like how tall, how much taller he is than like everyone. Yeah. Like it, it, it forms this really like interesting, like family of like, you know, Patrick Stewart in his chair, like Steven Merchant towering over Logan and then like Laura, mm-hmm. like being sort of like the same height as Patrick Stewart, like sitting, yeah. you know? Yeah. And like. It just like creates this really interesting image of like this family that I really really yeah. like, and it's a very it's a it's a really great naturalistic performance where you feel the life of this guy even though he's only on screen for mm-hmm. a few minutes. You really get the sense that this was a real person with a life. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. He's great in this movie, and he does. You know, it's a very like thankless yeah thankless thank you exactly it's a very thankless role and he excels at it and it's 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 really it's so good because he doesn't like overdo it right you could he just as easily play up this guy but yeah like you said it's a very naturalistic performance and it's really good and and he earns his death his heroic death of just like i i have no way out of this but i want them to get away so fuck it and just mm-hmm. like i'm not getting i'm gonna take out as many exactly of these guys i'm not getting can. out of this alive <laughs> i'm gonna take as many of them with me as i can logan and laura do escape and we we get in a movie full of emotional moments one of the most emotional moments logan burying charles Ugh. and there's no score you the movie lets you hear the running water that logan it talks about and it's not even the, the movie knows not to give him like a speech it's just but like on Hugh Jackman's face, you just see so much like loss and pain. Yeah. It's one of those moments. There are no words. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. in life, there are just moments where nothing can be said about a situation and saying something wouldn't help. So you just say nothing. Yeah. Yeah. He's only able to get out like, you know, it's by water and just like, that's all he can say. Cause you know, and then, yeah. but then we get the pivot to him just beating the shit out of his own truck. I really like that. It's so funny. I really like that moment because mm-hmm. it's, it just feels very real of like, you've reached the end of your rope and you don't want to hurt anyone. So you just take it out <laughs> on a large inanimate object. 
Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it really speaks to the little Miss Sunshine of it, because I think what's so great about that movie is it knows that moments of pain and humor are sometimes seconds apart. Mm-hmm. Right. And like when you're you're most sad or most pissed off, you literally just like buried a parent and then like you spill coffee on your crotch or like you fall down some stairs. And if, <laughs> if someone was watching this in a movie theater, it would be hilarious. Right. Sure. Sure. And Laura just like, well, even Laura is a little like, oh, is he going to be okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> and you also have yeah. those moments where just in life, you don't know whether to laugh or to cry. And sometimes you do both mm-hmm. at the same time because that's all there is to do. Yeah. So, so Logan like passes out from beating up his truck and Laura being the grown up paper moon style, like steals a truck, s- drives Logan to an urgent care and he gets to meet the local urgent care doctor who's like super chuffed about meeting a real life mutant. That yeah. was a little like, uh, that was awkward. I'll just say that. It's like, yeah, it's it, like the farmer there. These people are like aware of mutants and they don't seem to have a prejudice. But they're like, whoa, like, I thought you were all gone. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we haven't but gotten a lot of like firsthand mutant prejudice in the movies. I don't know. And the way that like, it seems like in the cartoons or in the comics, they would be like at a bar or at a shopping mall and then they would run casual into like anti-mutant, anti-mutant people. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of casual. Yeah, that's true. Not that I want um, there to mostly be. mostly but- like large organizations or like (laughs) protests and things like that yeah yeah that's actually true and this is where we get like the the reveal that it's largely hinted at that the adamantium is like poisoning his body and right making him feel like poop yep Mm -hmm. it's also where laura starts to talk yep she says her first words de nada de nada (laughs) hugh jackman's reaction to it is so great Of like the you fuck? can talk the whole fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she's been having her like mental conversations with Charles the whole time. Like that's yeah, true. it's it's beautiful. And you know, like I like I said at the beginning, I I remember this being like a humorless, painful movie, and moments like where the movie knows to have these really human moments for the audience to exhale and laugh. Mm-hmm are so valuable and it's like the reason this movie was a big hit is so much of these episodes Ray, that we've been talking about are like tom rothman or some dude being like oh cut out this nuanced stuff or cut these quiet conversations so people just want shake shake your keys in front of the camera for two hours yeah and like no the audiences can take punishment and pain and drama It's a good mix of like they know when to add moments of levity and humanity and And i think the levity is handled really well here over on True Believers, one of the things we talk about with the MCU films is that they tend to use humor to cut off the emotional scenes at their knees. Yes. And mm. this honors the pain and gives you humor on top of it. It doesn't use it as a tool to undermine it. Yeah. It's much right. more fluid where it's like there's moments of pain. Even in this truck scene, there's like, you can fucking talk. And then where he's like, I can't drive you. I'm out of gas. I'm going to die. And it's back and forth the way that it feels like life is. Like you said, yeah, it's not a joke. Okay, the scene's over because Drax said a funny line. Cut to the next scene. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's just like, I have friends. These are my friends. I have my, and she's listing her friends' names. So I need yeah. to get to my friends. Yeah. Her team, her family. Ugh. 
I also think, you know, this movie is compared a lot to like the Dark Knight, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. those those movies. Because they're like it takes it it it, it takes you know, Wolverine really seriously, the way those Batman movies take Batman really seriously. <laughs> and comparing the humor from this to that, right? Here, the humor is treated solely on a character level of like, what would this character do in this moment? It happens to be funny, right? This this moment happens to be funny. But this is genuinely what they would do in this moment. Whereas I feel like the humor in the Nolan movie, while, you know, mostly successful... I think it's all in the movie as like trailer moments. I feel like every <laughs> joke in those Batman, in the Batman trilogy is all, they're all in the trailers to those movies. I, I say this with a lot of love. Christopher yeah. Nolan loves quips. Yes. And jokes. And so yeah. every humorous moment is like, well, let's just say it's a kind of a big plane or like, yeah. Oh, that's a big entrance. And like, yeah. <laughs> a little, a little yeah. snide remark, and then does it come in black? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's stuff like that for sure. But this is all very character based. Of of just like this is how this character would genuinely react yeah. in this moment, based on everything we know about this character mm-hmm. over the seventeen years of this franchise. It just so happens that the thing that they would genuinely do in this moment mm-hmm. is funny. Like yeah, the moment where where Laura just starts like smacking Logan in the face. <laughs> He's like like stop, and it's like oh she's like a baby version of him and has all of his ferocity, yeah. and he's not the Wolverine. He's just like a flustered dad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think also just like one of the funniest moments in the movie. We passed it a while back, but uh, okay. in the gas station when Laura's you know just opening up the soda and the chips and she puts on the sunglasses and attacks the clerk because he tried to stop mm. her from stealing and logan's like no not uh, not okay and then he takes <laughs> a cigar and phone charger and leaves too it's like oh it's great uh, yeah. we're we're totally stealing yeah. just don't and hurt he, the guy yeah and the, yeah. the cigar is great and you know one thing that we talked about the wolverine a couple weeks ago is how that movie kind of proved that like scott frank and james mangold aren't they don't think they're better than the material right whether it's the movies or the comics and so it it rings a little true for them to like tell do their own thing because you know it's not coming from a place of like wow we don't need these comics Mm -hmm. right moments like oh he would note he would grab a little cigar from the counter yeah because like that's logan yeah well well, these are here too (laughs) might as well yeah Uh, (laughs) the the movie enters what i i wrote in my notes is it's beyond thunderdome chapter Mm-hmm. where Logan is rescued by the runaway mutants that Laura has been trying to find. They've like turned this outpost into like a base mm-hmm. and they're like surprisingly like self-capable and yeah. have their own little, have their own little thing going. Wolverine even tells Laura, they remind me of some people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It's great. Yeah. It's really that good. really was a heartwarming moment. And again, it's one of those things where they're saying it without saying it. yeah it feels very unforced they're not like setting these kids up to be in their own trilogy it's just finding these moments that rhyme no yeah it's just a bunch of kids with powers people who are against them and Mm -hmm. in need of someone to care for them Mm -hmm. yeah i i recant a statement that i think i made earlier in this miniseries i think this does really feel like an x-men movie 
Yes. And, mm-hmm. and not just a Wolverine movie. Because it goes back to what I think is like a bedrock of this formation or of this franchise or story, whatever, which is like it's about protecting children who are vulnerable. Yes. And are outcasts and don't have anywhere to go. And so this whole final act of him, like, you know, when he's running after them and running after the bad guys, it's like pure. He is like an X-Man. He is the Wolverine. Yes. For someone who was so disinterested and was like ready to leave Laura behind, um, you know, Charles passes and now he's the only one left to protect these kids. And he puts everything he has into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he juices himself. <laughs> Yeah. And that's and and that's the that's the thing is like that that sort of like drugged up sequence. I mean, that's the that's the like I'm never going to pick up a gun again, but like oh, here we go. And but it it all comes down to like the healing factor is actually the thing, yeah. right? Of like I got to juice up that healing factor because that's what makes me Wolverine is like being able to take those bullets and take everyone down in the process, you know? I really like that. And I love that focus on it's his healing that's failing. It's his healing that's causing him to get old and sick. And mm-hmm. it that's what the serum is fixing. It's the healing. Yeah. It's not at giving him strength. It's not giving him rage. It's not giving him anything else. It is just giving right. him the ability to heal. Yeah. And it's reinforcing the theme of, of this movie about him becoming a protector. Or, or realizing maybe that that's always what he was and always what he was supposed to be. That's his power. It's not the claws. The claws come in handy, but it's the healing factor, which in itself is a protective mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. And that has always been his power is that he is a protector. He protected Rogue in the first X-Men. You know, he protected the kids in X2 in the mansion on the attack of the mansion. Mm-hmm. He he is that is his thing. That is what makes him a hero is that he protects people and he's always been too fucking dense to realize <laughs> that that's what that's what his power is. Yeah. But in this moment he finally realizes it and he protects these kids to the very end of his life. He's the best um, at what he and, does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it turns out and it turns out the thing that he does the best, you know, what what he does is actually very nice. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 beautiful. It's a beautiful arc for this character. And it really is heartbreaking that this isn't the end of the X-Men franchise, that we have three more movies after sure, this. Sure. <laughs> and so like wrapping things up, yeah, the action is great. The the brutality is, you know, it, it feels cathartic and fun, but also there's like meaning behind it. Um, can yeah. I just say how much I love the kids all using their powers to to yes, yes, kill Boyd Albrook, like, yeah. Yes. I, I really, I love that. I, but, but I will say I am, I was very frustrated at the beginning of the scene when that crew shows up, the mercenaries all show up because mm-hmm. the kids just run and none of them are using their powers until they're separated and then they start using their <laughs> right, powers. Yeah. And I'm like, like, like the kid lifts that truck on top of the, the <laughs> yeah. other, on top of X24. And I'm just like, you couldn't do that when the convoy oh, yeah. was coming down the oh, road, man. Like, the, come the, on. The girl that uses like the wind and bark to like <laughs> rip that dude into chunks. Yeah. Uh. Like, you could have just blown that over the whole convoy and, and none of this would have been a problem. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's like in, the, in a way it's like reducing X-Men to its most basic formula. Yeah. Like taking away the uniforms and the code names mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just kids like looking out for each other. I, uh, I did. I, lo- I love this sequence, though. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so good. And you know what? Hugh Jackman looks fucking dope. 
Yeah. And he dehydrated himself for two weeks before shooting this. Oh. So he can look that dope. Oh, boy. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he looks so veiny and muscly. Uh, be careful, um, kids. Yeah. Yep. That is not to be messed around with. Yeah, he says he doesn't do the vascular okay. workouts anymore. I'm excited um, to see Reminiscence and see him kick ass without dehydrating himself. Hell yeah. Mm. Me too. Uh, the Laura-Logan combo fight is dope. Yes. Oh, yeah. When she like runs up his back and leaps. Yes. It's great. Oh, so good. And listeners, um, we get one last Wolverine classic where he digs his claws into someone's ribs and looks them right in the eye as they slip <laughs> off into the ether. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like his, that's the Hugh Jackman Wolverine way. <laughs> Since 2000. Yep. Oh, man. And um, I mean, yeah, like the, we've already talked about, yeah, it was an iconic, you know, the audience gasped when she turned the cross into an X um, because I watched this in the Vatican and people were deeply offended. Uh, I I did not see it coming, mm-hmm. and so when I just saw like he was there and he yeah. was he, he was un, un, and 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 then when she goes to move it and turns into the X, it was like an instant like loud sob escaped my mouth yeah. like escaped because it was just like it, 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 oh god it was like it was this thing where I don't love Wolverine as a character like it's he's not my favorite X Men mm-hmm. far from it. You know, I'm not I, I'm not a big like Wolverine guy, but I love Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. I he means a lot to me, this character. And I don't think I realized how much this character meant to me until the moment that she switches that X yeah. and I know how meaningful that would be for this character and how much it would he would act like it wasn't a big deal, but like it's a bit it would feel like a big deal, I think, for him. And and it was just like the just the catharsis of that moment of like the just 17 years, man. 17 years of watching this guy <laughs> struggle with his place in the world and his place in the X-Men and ending as the ultimate protector, the guy he always was and never knew he was. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful ending to this character. It's a beautiful ending to this franchise. Um, it really is too bad we got three more. <laughs> so one quick thing I want to throw in, which is I didn't remember this at the time because I think I, I had only seen the Wolverine once before I saw Logan. Mm-hmm. But uh, someone pointed out that back in the Wolverine, Yukio's premonition is that when Logan dies, he will be on his back. There will be blood everywhere and he will have his heart in his hand, which is you know obviously true within the context of that movie. But when Logan, right. when he dies in Logan, he is on his back. There is blood everywhere, and he's holding Laura's hand. He's holding yeah. his heart yeah. in his hand. It's it is it it's so heartbreaking. Yeah! And beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. Yeah, the Wolverine and Logan really serve as like yeah, as cool as it would have been to have three. As it is, it is just really cool. Two sides of a coin mm-hmm. of like similar themes, but like going at it in different ways. Yeah, almost yeah. like. Tor- you know, Toy Story 3 kind of takes the themes of Toy Story 2 to its logical conclusion mm-hmm. of like, well, the end, the end comes eventually. Like, what's that like? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, uh, I really got a lot out of, it feels weird to say this might be the biggest surprise of this thing, this rewatch. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, like, uh, really, uh, really, really moved by it this time around. Two small things uh, before we wrap up. I will say 
that it's funny that you say that like you wish there were three because <laughs> there was going to be a, there was going to be a third one. James Mangold was r- actively writing and developing Laura, oh. which would have been the sequel to Logan and which Laura was the main character carrying on the legacy of of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Apparently he's written multiple drafts and then it all fell through when Disney bought Fox because a lot of things interesting in, in continuing that, you know, aspect of the franchise outside of Deadpool, I suppose. Sure. Yeah, you know, and I I know like the fans on Twitter will be like, cat like we don't want Logan cast Laura, you know, and like Anything could happen, but yeah, like it's a shame that this is this could very well be like the only time we see Daphne Keene in this role, uh, yeah, exploring yeah. this character. But you know, uh, yeah. guy, it just hit me. He died so close to Canada. He did. <laughs> he almost got got over that mountain one more time. Uh, that could have been. That probably could have been Wolverine's like autobiography. So close to Canada. <laughs> so close to Canada <laughs> by James Howlett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like, would, would, would you have been into a Laura movie? Ryan oh, hell Scott? yes. That- hell yes. Just psychologically, from the standpoint of being raised as a child weapon, and now you're out, what does that look like? And also yeah. knowing, you know, this man who was your biological father, but wasn't really your father, but then you came to love him like a father. And like, where does that leave her? Where does she go from there? Um, mm. I think that is fascinating and i would have loved to see that um yeah and maybe seeing what else of this world has survived in 2029 and also it's like kind of like the rebirth aspect of it and like i'm very sad that we never got that sort of okay what does it look like for mutants to come back after all of this what does it look like to have you know nuts (laughs) nuts <laughs> new mutants as it were um, <laughs> yeah and i'm yeah. so mad that that's this is not what was new mutants you know that's what yeah, i wanted yeah well and 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 that you know it, it's also interesting because james mangold you know he he directs logan and he's like i want this to be completely different from the wolverine because i don't want to repeat myself so then that makes me even more excited about what laura would have been because it wouldn't have just been more of this it would have been some other thing yeah Mm -hmm. um and i'm i would have been fascinated to know like what other genre or or story he had up his sleeve to play around with with laura um for sure yeah would have been really interesting and i will say that rewatching this movie has me fucking amped for Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, like, he's kind of doing a similar thing with that, right? It's like an old guy. It's He's mm-hmm. doing old man Indiana Jones. I am fascinated to see what that's going to be now. And, you know, watching this and then thinking about Ford v. Ferrari, just that mm-hmm. kind of full cinemascope John Ford lens that he has. Yeah, that could be really exciting to see with, with with Indiana Jones for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Funnily enough, small little 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 bit of trivia: Shane mm-hmm. was the first film released in widescreen in theaters. Mm. Oh wow, that's fun. <laughs> so, yeah. exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So and so closes the book on Logan. And Wolverine and, and Hugh Wolf- Jackman. And Wolverine and Hugh Jackman and Sir Patrick Stewart. And uh it gets weird from here, listeners. We're kind of <laughs> we're kind of messing with we're kind of messing with the timeline. So the next episode you're gonna be hearing is Deadpool 2. Right. 
we'll see what that's like. Yeah. A lot to get into. But then right. what, what episode are we doing after that, Scott? We're doing the New Mutants after that because that was when it was supposed to come out between Deadpool 2 and Dark Phoenix. It got pushed back because they were going to do reshoots, and then they ended up not doing any reshoots. So it is the movie that was supposed to come out in like 2018. It is the exact movie that was supposed to come out in 2018. So we're going to treat it like it came out in 2018 because it feels really weird to end this miniseries on the New Mutants instead of Dark Phoenix. So. That's how we're going to do this. So we're going to do Deadpool 2, then the New Mutants, and then Dark Phoenix uh, to wrap it all up um, three weeks from now. So there we go. That's the schedule. We're in the end game now. No, don't say now. those words. Don't say those words to me. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, no, yes. thank you for having me. Yeah. Great discussion. Oh, great movie. What a flick. What a flick. <laughs> what if that was like the, the tag? Was it like zooms out and like Stan Lee is like in the theater? Like, wow, what a flick. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing to do with that character. Oh, you know what I would have loved? I know he had to stay in the hotel room, but like it would have been really fun if he was like watching Shane in the lobby with Stan Lee. And it's just <laughs> Patrick Stewart and Stan Lee wow. talking about Shane. Oh, man. <laughs> That would have been great. Grandpa that would have City. Been pretty great. <laughs> Those two old men talking about Shane. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Ray, uh, uh, plug, plug True Believers. Oh, okay. So, yeah, if you want to hear me talk about Avenger, the Avenger side of the Marvel franchise, come check me out on True Believers with Chris O'Connor and Becca Raybergen. We still haven't done Black Widow yet drag my heels on that but uh we have a recap for every movie so far every mcu film so far every episode of wandavision every episode of falcon and the winter soldier we did loki in two parts and i don't know what we're doing next because we we're still retooling and figuring things out but come 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 to the avengers side <laughs> absolutely uh, Ray, you also, you play a superhero yourself, don't you? Yes, I play Gwen on Geek by Night, which, coming back soonish. Yes. Soonish? Um, soonish, yeah. So, which is how I know these wonderful humans here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, come check all of us out on Geek by Night. Yes. Our own finale. Oh, our man. Own, our own, our own conclusion, yeah. Um, as of this recording, we're like working on 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 the series finale, writing the script for it, and so that's why we're not prepared to announce a date yet because we're like, well, let's get this finished first, and then we'll <laughs> and then we'll we'll have a better idea. But yeah, it is coming back soon, definitely this year, without a doubt. Um, Something good so. in twenty twenty one. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be fun. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thanks so much for listening everyone make sure that if you aren't already become a patreon supporter duelinggenre.com support it really does help us out a lot please become a patreon supporter you'll gain access to three bonus podcasts a week as well as one of those bonus podcasts coming out the same day as 
our between episodes that come out between mini series on this feed. On the Patreon feed, we do a show called Franchise Potential, which is about a movie that was supposed to start a franchise and failed. And we get into why and we break down the movie. We did a movie. We did an episode on the Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993 back in the feed uh, a couple of months ago at the beginning of the X Men miniseries. And for at the end of this miniseries, we're going to do a Franchise Potential episode on 2003's Daredevil. So um, that'll be that'll be a really interesting conversation, I think. Sorry, Jennifer Garner from Peppermint. Full circle. Yeah, I really do not like that movie. And uh, as as you've probably heard me talk about um, on this movie, we are uh, watching the we are watching the director's cut, Scott. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. The director's cut that is supposedly so much better. Um, I've seen it. It's not. It just has more Coolio. So it's better. Yeah. So so I guess. Yeah. So I guess baseline. Yeah, it is better. (laughs) Um, Fair enough. Um, but <laughs> so, uh, so check that out. We are going to be talking about that over on the Patreon. That's duelinggenre.com slash support. If you cannot, uh, financially support us, we totally understand that not everybody can, but what you can do is leave us a review on Apple podcasts. Um, we, it helps people find the show. Uh, you know, they're, they've got algorithms over there that I don't totally understand, but apparently if you give us five star reviews, it helps us come up in search results it helps people find us um so uh please leave all the five star reviews you can we would really appreciate it uh and that doesn't cost you anything um and uh you know maybe we'll give you a shout out at some point uh maybe on a between episode or something we'll do like apple podcast review shout outs or something yeah um so uh so please do that if you can't become a Patreon supporter or if you just want to that that works too also. <laughs> uh join the Discord there's a link in the show notes. Follow us on Twitter at franchiseography and we will talk to you next week in which we will uh break down uh fridging and Deadpool 2. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.